Hi, and welcome to the August 2nd, 2007 edition of the Big Monkey Podcast, recorded on-site at Big Monkey Comics, located at 1722B, 14th Street, in Washington, D.C. Here in a tower we've so narcissistically shaped like a giant letter B, five guys get together to talk about those <laughs> questions that have plagued us for years, like, what's tougher to break, Luke Cage's skin or Power Girl's bra? This is the Big Monkey Podcast. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ben Hatton, writer of Those Wednesdays, and I'll be your MC for the next hour of comic discussion and debate. Joining me are four guys who know way more about comics than I do. And let's start with some introductions directly to my right. Hi, it's uh, John Gary. I got a bit of a cold, folks. Bear with me. But I still occasionally update face down in the gutters. <laughs> Sometimes. I'm John Brooks of John Hex Lives. Someone bought Kayla Deadpool on my recommendation. <laughs> I'm Officer Scipio Garling with the Metropo- <laughs> Metropolis Police Department. <coughs> and I'm Devon Sanders of Seven Hills and Action Comics 835. <laughs> yeah, they got mentioned on page four, and it's going to be like this the entire show. Damn right. <laughs> first, first topic, I want to uh, pull back a little. The last few podcasts, we've talked about specific characters. And so today, let's talk about the DCU's direction in a slightly broader sense. Um, we're in the middle of a burst, an explosion, if you will, of miniseries and one-shots, all tied into one overarching story. Captain Carrot, Wonder Girl, Lord Havoc, and the extremists. Why do you think the story has to be told in this way? Why are there so many minis? And I know some of you are really torqued about this, so I'm actually going to start with uh, John Brooks. It doesn't have to be told <laughs> in so many miniseries. They just do it to take our money. And <laughs> I'm serious, it, really. They split off the search for Bray Palmer into a separate miniseries when Countdown was advertised as being for the search, part of it's the search for Ray Palmer. Why is it separate from a 52-issue-long miniseries? How much of a story is that for it needs a separate four-issue thing? <laughs> I don't really care about Captain Curry. It can't have anything to do with Final Crisis. So, I mean, you buy that for the fun of it. Because Jeff Johns likes Captain Curry for some reason and brought him back. Skip? Uh, I disagree with you totally. I think it's great. I know it doesn't have to be done this way, but, but it's like modular furniture. I don't, don't like modular furniture. <laughs> no, it's modern. It's cool. You you take the stuff that you want. I can't. And then you don't have to get the other stuff that you don't want. I I think it's great. I'd much rather see them do uh, minis like this rather than make everything a long established series that they're going to have to cancel at some point or try and cram uh, too much story into into something else. I I like it like this. I I didn't even I don't think it's a problem at all. Devon. I don't really have a problem with it, um, although I do know that like uh, when miniseries get published, they also make great trade paperbacks, so that's also another reason why there's so many minis, because, um, you know, it's it's kind of hard to jump into something like midstream, and the mini gives you the chance to just get one story without being terribly tied down to continuity. Carrie? Yeah, I'm a little bit torn because on, on the one hand, it's clear that they look at me as like, you know, a big pit full of money that $312. Exactly. On the other hand, it allows me, a uh, miniseries allows me to just studiously ignore crap I don't care about. So mm-hmm. I can avoid like the space team from 52 or whatever <laughs> if it's split off into a separate miniseries. I like the idea of a finite series because it means that they at least had a story to tell and they have a plan and they'll presumably finish it, but I've seen minis not finish in my day. Trials of Shazam. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's which, still not again, over. It's like two years now. And that's part of my studiously wow. ignoring things I don't care about. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sort of in the middle. It, it feels like they're bilking me a little bit right now, but, you know, I'll live. Yeah. I've lived through worse. I, I mean, lived through the 90s. So. <laughs> I lived through the Blitz. <laughs> if I can buy my windows. I lived through the first DC explosion. <laughs> if I can buy three chromium covers, I can buy Captain Carrot. <laughs> <laughs> I got eight copies of X-Force number one. Oh, sitting in my bathroom. Yeah, I, like you know what it's like, I, I won't be buying Extremist because, you know, I hated them. 
But there are those people out there who are like, I have to have the most complete story. There is something to be said well, you know about having like a, a cohesive middle that is all that you need, and not. And I'm not sure that Countdown is doing that. Then those people just need therapy. Okay? I do not need if, therapy. If, if they're that completist, you know, that's like, oh, I can't miss any piece of the puzzle, you know, then that's their own obsessive compulsive disorder. <laughs> really? You know, you could you could apply that to, okay, I have to buy everything that DC publishes because, my God, it might relate to something else in some other story. It's like, well, yeah, it's a shared universe, so. Which is nice. I mean, that's the nice thing about the miniseries is it gives you a sense of a shared universe. But you, I, but Countdown was supposed to be that shared universe. Says who? Well, Says see, them. See, yeah, spine of. Well, spine of. Well, yeah. see, I have this no. problem where it's like I don't think no. everything has to like fit. You know, it's like Captain Carrot doesn't necessarily have to fit into the greater picture. Of and Countdown. now it is though. But yeah, I mean it is, but it just does not have to be that way. Because when I was a kid, it was like, did Captain Carrot need to be in Crisis <laughs> on Infinite Earths? No. And he did wasn't. Not, and he wasn't, and I still enjoyed the book. Which is a shame. Really? Yeah, I did. I'm Captain Carrot and Blue Beetle and Amethyst <laughs> fighting shadow demons. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. In the first issue of I Hate Jogging. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Carrot gives Ben Hatton a ride. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Uh, Sorry, dude. No, but also, just to kind of veer off, it, again, miniseries, just, it allows people to, to test the product. Um, you know, it's like if you're afraid of uh, the metal men, it's like, well, here's the first issue. Here's it's only eight. If you like that, you know, maybe if you write in or email, you know, I said write in like it was 1989 or something. Um, <laughs> I told the number. <laughs> did you want Robin did? <laughs> and I want my refund from that. But anyway, uh, it gives you a chance to sample. That's what, like, you know, that's what a miniseries is. The miniseries is the comic book equivalent of the hors d'oeuvre. It won't fill you up, but it'll get you, you know, it'll it'll take the edge off. And that's the metaphor of the week. Yeah. This is, um... But it's not an hors d'oeuvre. It's not an hors d'oeuvre. It's like a... It's, like it's a side dish. It's like tapas. That's what DCU is right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, yeah, exactly. And the last thing this town needs is another... <laughs> <laughs> It's like there's no one like one meal. There are all these little meals that you have to get to appreciate. It. Okay, that's Adam. fine. Uh, well, fine. You don't have to enjoy the tapas, but don't bring the wine. Okay. Woo. I had no problem with miniseries, <laughs> like per se. I I like wisdom and. Shut up, John. You thought oh, it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like when they separate a major storyline into separate miniseries is where I have a problem because yeah. it's like. Completely unnecessary, unless it's House of the M, which the main series was kind of overdrawn and didn't really say anything about pretty much anything until the end. Who published that? That company <laughs> that doesn't exist. <laughs> well, Marvel, it's like got better miniseries like overall because they have like the original Shana, Shana the She Devil series, and they had Wisdom, which was very excellent, and they had Thunderbolts Presents. Zemo, Born Better, which was very, very excellent. So go out and buy the trade. <laughs> and it's just, I don't I don't expect a long, overreaching arc to have like 13 miniseries attached to it. That's the only, that's the only reason I have a problem with it. Yeah, I like how Marvel has been handling <clears throat> minis better overall for the last couple of years. Church? Now. Where it's it? <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> what was that? Yeah. I, <laughs> How is it different? I don't know. They will do a miniseries for characters that wouldn't necessarily get covered someplace else. Tell mm. a complete story that doesn't necessarily tie in with anything else. It's not like DC seems to be doing Countdown as a central thing, and then it has little satellites attached to it where it feels like you need to read the other stuff to understand what's going on elsewhere. They mm. seem to be putting key plot points in other places that make you have to buy more stuff to get it. I mean, it's the, it's the essential difference between Marvel and DC. DC likes to create this feeling of an overarching universe, and now I think the overarching has gotten a little too much. Yeah. Marvel's yeah. just like, hey, I got a ridiculous <laughs> story to tell, and it might or might not like, be. Yeah. In all honesty, <clears throat> that's one of the main reasons why I liked Annihilation, was because there was like this big interplanetary war, and then Tony Stark was too wrapped up in himself to even know about right. it. Right, you know, like, what's, the X-Men are off in space fighting the Shi'ar or whatever, yeah. and they don't even know what's going on <laughs> right. over in, like, yeah. another part of space. And they didn't need to, which was great. 
You know, that's why I like. I mean, I'm going to buy all the minis. I really am. <laughs> well, I, I, you guys are getting my paycheck. That's, that that <laughs> is. We're also giving it to you. That's right. <laughs> Just pay me in comics. I need food. <laughs> I'll eat them when I'm done. <laughs> and you can keep all the turnips on your own plantation. Right. Um, but if that's true, it's very ironic because Marvel pioneered the idea of the integrated universe when DC was doing much more like random one-shot stories where you're like, okay, there was an alien invasion in the Atom, but nobody noticed it anywhere else. Yeah, but what they've got going now in DC is almost too integrated, where, like, Amazon's attack has suffered tremendously from the fact that plot points from it are happening in, like, completely different books. Like, it's all over the place. And a Marvel mini is different from that now. I want to use that to ask another question. Do you think the fact that there are all these miniseries, that they are all interrelated, that it's stifling the creativity that could possibly be coming out in the universe? Can't help. I mean, uh, like the X books in the '90s, when every issue was part of like was the prelude to a crossover. To the Executioner's song, right? Executioner's song, part '96 or whatever. Third time that's come up in these podcasts. That's because it's fun to say. (laughs) But you're you're left (laughs) with a book where a writer can't do anything on his own unless you're like Peter David and you're just doing like lip service to the bigger crossover uh, while doing your thing, which is what he's still doing now. Right, Uh, but. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's got to stifle creativity to have an editor going like you need to have cable in this book for no reason other than to like spike the sales and skip mark you're out making for a face I am making a face <laughs> um, you could make because you could uh, make a case that having a particular rhyme scheme scheme in something like a sonnet is going to stifle somebody's creativity it's like well no setting boundaries creative boundaries for something should spark creativity. Yeah, but you, know, going, it's the opposite. you need to you have, have to. Amazons fight the Teen Titans this month for very loose reasons is kind of... You know, I mean, to me, that's pretty much just thing. asking somebody to color between the lines. I guess, but if they wanted to tell their own story and they're stuck having to play into a crossover, that's mm. uh, that. I mean, that's all I can figure would be... I, guess, I just don't have a lot... I hear what you're saying. I don't want to totally disagree with it, but I, I don't believe quite as much in total writer... Mm. Control and freedom as other people do. If you no no really if you want chain them up if, no <laughs> if you want got to, dangerous ideas <laughs> get my burning torch if you want to have that kind of freedom to write what you want then you probably shouldn't be writing comic books yeah. or at least big two comic books yeah. right as be Mike independent be as Mike Carey said in his interview <laughs> on last week's podcast it's a very different thing. Right. You when know, you when have you an editor-controlled s- book, when you're trying, then when you're trying to do your own, your own novel. Right. When you sign up to write comic books, you're writing as part of a larger universe. Right. But if you, it, you know, Jeff Johns probably has wanted to be like, man, I'd really love to bring Captain Carrot back. You know. So I, he did. And so he, he did. did. But now Captain Carrot has to fall into it. Wisdom, you know, didn't, you know, Marvel, you know, which actually is really good, didn't fall into anything. They didn't put anything. They just let him have a good wisdom story. Then you look at, say, Eternals, right, which Neil Gaiman and John Romita Jr. did. And they, it was supposed to be six issues, and those six issues were really, really good. And then when you hit issue five, instead of saying five of six, it suddenly said five of seven. And because Marvel made them (laughs) add, like, another 13 pages of Iron Man showing up, and saying, hey, guys, you've got to join well, Civil War. And that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> but, but then there's a flip side to that. Um, and the flip side is uh, it m- creates an opportunity for people who want to tell a story that if it's they can tie it in... Even better. It gets in. The Metal Men would not have happened if, not if it did not have a, a tie-in with, with 52. That, yes. I mean, I like the idea of an overarching thing. I just... It's too much of a good thing. I think at this point they're, they're you know I'd like to have, not everything has to be like when it says Countdown Presents or From the Pages of 52 Devon you made a comment the other day that like it's you know right on uh, uh, what is it Metal Men it says From the Pages of 52 which ended four months ago <laughs> Well, well McInerney says from the pages of Green Arrow. Yeah, that is a put down. Starting this again. It should be from the pages of history. Um, but you know, this may be our perspective as longtime comic book readers. I was talking to a newer comic book reader, Miss uh, Tori One Take Tyree, who was on our last <laughs> podcast, 
And I get a fresh perspective from her about she, she really likes that sort of thing. She likes the fact that one thing that she reads connects easily to other things. It makes it easy for her to expand her knowledge and gives her reason to, to read other things. Maybe it's just we, older readers, who are tired of that. Dude, just make another, like, who's who to put everyone out <laughs> on what's what. Dude, that's all I had growing up, and I know Bray Allen is. I mean, I didn't have that. You didn't have Bray Allen just showing up for no apparent reason in everyone's books. I had who's who to tell me who he is. So I know he died, so Wally could be the best Flash ever. Run on that. No, no. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> it's not the Flash that's, topic. That's, I have a topic for another podcast. Oh, my God. Why John Brooks and Skip got into a fight. The night fight at Big Monkey Comics. <laughs> this Saturday, come have a sale and then watch them beat the shit. <laughs> and we know for a fact that Johnny can't outrun me. Oh. Right, I don't need to run. <laughs> Bring All it. Right, that's it for this, for this section. Now it's time for a dramatic reading. I Thanks, cut, guys. I, I cut you, man. I've chosen to train them to survive the coming war. Surely you can see the virtue in that. Their families, their mates, their children were murdered before their eyes. This is civil war. I've given them their freedom and a chance for justice, the American way. The rules are the rules. We can't get involved unless it's some dirty act of sabotage that our government sanctions. Take a good look around. There are no rules here, just suffering and madness. I want you to go back and tell your undersecretary that. There's the door, spaceman. For our second topic, we're jumping over to Marvel and uh, World War Hulk. We're uh, three issues into Marvel's summer blockbuster. And I want to know, writing-wise, which side of the event has your sympathies? And more importantly, which side do you think Marvel wants you to sympathize with? Because that's really important, because we all knew what they did with Civil War. Who, who, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy here? I'm going to start with John Kerry. Hulk's always the good guy. I love Hulk. He's adorable. <laughs> he's a big green rampaging child. He's, he's like the, my pet monster. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the standard Marvel reader archetype. It's what you <laughs> it's what you'd be if you were a superhero, just walking around he randomly getting into trouble. Like, <laughs> well, no, if I had big green strength, I'd just walk around going like, "Why me? Am I in trouble? Like, <laughs> stop throwing rocks at John. John hate people. <laughs> Give me fruit pies." You know, like, that's what's up. And then they'd be like, John has to go to space now. And I'd be like, John says, screw you guys. John smash. You know, like, that's what happens. I always sympathize with the Hulk. Uh, I get to play adorable. Reed Richard. <laughs> the Bond, do you call Iron Man? No, Nobody I call wants War to be Machine. There. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, Devon, who do you think we're supposed to think is the good guy? Uh, we're supposed to think Iron Man is the good guy because he... he uh, uh, I don't even know anymore. Who the hell... I don't even care anymore. It's like, honestly, after the civil servants beat up Cap, I just ceased to care. It was Racially like, diverse civil servants. Right, which was like absolute nonsense. It was absolute nonsense. I think I saw like, Officer Sanders in there. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it was just absolute nonsense because it was like to illustrate the point that Iron Man's side is right. Um, just inexplicably, these like civil service workers turn on Cap and start to beat him down. And Cap did not beat the, the crap out of him, which he should have done. So it was just like there's really no side to be on because it's really badly written. <laughs> Fair enough. Skip? Well, it sounds to... Thanks for waiting until I was done the pizza, Ben. Sorry. Um... <laughs> Sounds, I was looking at my notes. Oh. <laughs> Sounds to me like um, maybe Marvel is finally getting the value-neutral conflict that they wanted to have with Civil War, mm. where they were supposed to be presenting evenly matched sides. Um, Each with their own point. Right, which they kind of didn't succeed at doing. But maybe they're finally succeeding in doing that with World War Hulk. I mean, perhaps there is no right side. I mean, from what I know about it, I don't think there is one. I understand their decision. It makes perfect sense. You know, if one person is endangering the whole world like that, it makes sense to protect the whole world. We do that all the time. We just call it prison. Fair enough. <laughs> you know, and yet... Prison was a whole hawk. <laughs> you understand why he's ticked. 
Right. So maybe they're just going to have to, you know, work this out. There's going to be a big hug at the end. Rick Jones. Oh, that's all he's got for. going to be back in a wheelchair after that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> as I think it's supposed to be ambivalent to a point. It gets to, yeah, Hulk deserves some kind of, like, payback for what happened to him. But I think with the latest issue, you, try, you they show that he's going a little bit too far. And now he has to pull it back or someone has to make him pull it back. And maybe that... Iron Man doesn't deserve to get killed, just paralyzed, maybe. I mean, he's got, iron, he got the Iron Man suit. He really need to walk. I mean, he got his, like, man baby suit thing working for him. But, his I mean. His man baby suit. <laughs> it's like body diaper he has to wear. It's a onesie made out of circuit boards. Oh. Enjoying the super freedom space suit. Yeah. That's just <laughs> Venture Brothers <laughs> right. out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, Come in the speed suit. Okay, Ben, I don't know what your next question <laughs> okay. is, but I know what mine is. Fair enough. So, I read mostly DC. <clears throat> mostly? Shut up. <laughs> an action philosopher. Action philosophers. Give <laughs> me a break. Shut up, I read an IDW comic this week. Um, S- Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Okay, your don't, question. Your don't, question. Don't start with me, geek. Um, oh. Uh, so, do Marvel heroes ever wind up fighting villains? Well, see, I actually you was going to be one of my questions. The Justice League? Which is... <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> you don't know who the hell Red Arrow and Vixen were fighting, but they ended Amazons. up they ended up underneath the, the water gate. Yeah. <laughs> There's still no villain in there. <laughs> actually, that, that was my question. We've had pretty, pretty much uh, three, like three crossovers of... Marvel heroes fighting heroes. Civil War, absolutely. House of M, to some extent. Yeah. Marvel's big... I mean, why is it heroes fighting heroes? What is it about the Marvel Universe that has left the only stories being able to be told or that I, the good guys... I can answer this. Well, Batrock the Leaper up. can't be everywhere at once. <laughs> Entirely true. Yeah, you can. He can't jump that far. <laughs> he can't just, leap that far. <laughs> he needs some gamma radiation. I was going to say that Marvel heroes are like... A, a high school cafeteria, and there's always going to be clicks, you know? There's the one table with the X-Men where they're playing their tabletop games or whatever, wearing their leather jackets that they think make them look cool, and then like the Avengers clicks? table, exactly. No, they yeah. need the theater group where, ev- ah, where, yeah. where everyone gets, you know, um, what's the word? Um, Makeup? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Mono. Oh, yeah. Right. Exactly. And then, yeah. like... You know, because everyone's kissing each other. It's like the legacy virus. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Only affects the theater group. Um, and then, like, the Avengers would be your jock table, and then they all fight amongst themselves. There'd okay. be no particular group of villains, except, you know, Doom would be in the corner, just, nobody wants to talk to me. He's the vice principal. Right. You couldn't see the little pose I just did, but I, I put my arms at my sides like a school marm, and then cocked my head like a chicken. I, it I was think I looked adorable. like Jagger doing the school marm position. I think. I think if you pick Picture that when I said that last thing, it'll really color it for you. Right. As okay, a get it, get it. <laughs> we have a new metaphor of the week. Wait, get, okay, getting back. What but about Marvel? Marvel heroes are perennial adolescents for the most part. I mean, superheroes in general are more or less an adolescent male fantasy wrought with broad brush. I know, they're and, certainly mine. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's not out of the question that the only reason they can solve problems is punching things. The mutants in Marvel Comics have been trying to solve their civil rights dilemma by kicking the crap out of each other for 45 years. I mean, it's just how they roll. It's how it's always been. <laughs> Brooks, why are we only having good guys versus good guys? I don't know. It's just a story. I mean, after having fight high evolutionary Atlantis and, like, <laughs> weird machine robots in their annuals, they just say, hey, why don't we just have these guys fight each other? Thanos is dead now. Again? That's right. It's with his girlfriend. They have a great job when they fight Apocalypse. We'll have even better sales when they fight each other. Mm-hmm. It makes uh, perfect sense, Ben. Ridiculous It gets sense. everybody's favorite heroes in. <laughs> Would we have seen Stingray unless it was all heroes <laughs> kicking the crap out of you each know, other? You know, actually... That's probably the sharpest observation right. yet. Yeah. Like, t- it, typeface wouldn't have his place in the world. If he's it dead now. It's Thanks true. to Civil War. <laughs> yes. It's the way to get the most Hooray, Civil characters War. in. Yeah. No or more a ton of minis. That's the other way to get a bunch of characters in. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Um, 
for the follow-up question on that is, with the scroll reveals, Yay. do you think the writers are jumping back to a semi- the seemingly good guys versus bad guys? Do you think they're trying to get to a more black-and-white story after years of gray? Hick on the black and whites. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of our new comic. <laughs> um, I think with the scroll reveal, it'll just mean more heroes fighting each other because they think they're scrolls <laughs> yeah. for the time being. I mean, like, the third or fourth issue of Avengers, I'm, th- I'm going to the original run of Avengers, was the Space Phantom, which is the same gimmick as the Skrulls, where he would just take the place of somebody and then the team fought itself for an issue. It's like the stock standard Marvel plot. There's turmoil in the team. Johnny's pissed off. Ben again. They're going to have a little fight in the apartment. And Sue's going to have to clean up. Johnny pissed off Ben again? (laughs) Damn. It's like this table. (laughs) (laughs) Green Arrow sucks. (laughs) I want to play Reed Richards. (laughs) Sorry, Devon. I'll leave Sue Storm for you. Uh, Yeah, I'll take Sue Storm. Devon, what about you? What about you in the scroll reveal? Do we think it's trying to get back to kind of like... I mean, I think the last time we had a scroll story was back in the 70s. You know, are they trying to harken back to, like, here's a good old story that everybody can appreciate? <laughs> well, again, I just think it's because Marvel is based on the heroes fighting each other. They're just mm-hmm. giving you what you want. It's like, I think the first, no, the second appearance of Spider-Man, he fights the Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four. Mm-hmm. It's like, Namor comes back. He fights the Human Torch. And that's what they do. (laughs) They just fight each other. And they just gave it to you for eight issues. And then they're going to keep going with it until there are no more scrolls. It totally worked for the entire history of the Marvel Universe. (laughs) Exactly. We just explained the Marvel Universe right there. (laughs) Spider-Man shows up and fights someone. Is that why Marvel villains suck? (laughs) Marvel villains are the best. No, they're not. Not really. Out of like American Doctor Doom is the best. No. <laughs> yeah. Does he ride around in a cage? I know. Sadly, no. He's not in an atmosphere. Yeah. <laughs> that what God willing, Cardiac would roll up in an what? atmosphere. Why isn't that on DVD? It's on. It's on ESPN Classic every night at seven. <laughs> Set your DVRs, folks. All right. Um, I actually want to wrap up with the Planet Hulk, which is after a brilliant year and a half setup. Um, I found Planet Hulk really boring, or World War Hulk, really boring. <laughs> it, wow. it doesn't feel like anything's happening. I mean, wow. it, it's so much punching that I'm like, I don't even know <laughs> what the purpose of being punched. It's like, I'm punching. I'm angry. I'm punching. Where's the speck of a Hulk comic book except punching <laughs> and angriness? So you don't find it boring? No, I don't. Ugh. Because he's punching up it. everyone. <laughs> he's punching Avengers and Fantastic Four. That's how he solves his problem. Dude, it's a Godzilla movie. He has been. That's what it's supposed to be. When he punches, when he punches She-Hulk, come on, yeah, come on, punching She-Hulk, you knew he was gone. Plus, right, Uh, and you got Rick Jones come out of nowhere. Was like, dude, ignore my emo cut. I'm Rick Jones. Ignore me. I did. I got to say that as a tie, as tie-ins go, uh, Avengers Initiative was really good. Yeah, it was was very good. That made it seem much more. Like dangerous than it has been because the Hulk was a looming threat instead of a big green thing on panel constantly. Like, I kind of liked that better. Made it into like a horror movie instead of a monster movie. If that makes any sense. But on the spinoff, it's a slasher uh, flick where you're like, oh man, when is he is he going to be around the corner? Yeah. As opposed to run, it's Godzilla. He's storming. You know, stomp, stomp. stomp. <laughs> and then the bam, bam, you never know when Hulk might come out. <laughs> if you have, all right, I'm not. Does Hulk <laughs> hide around the corner? All right, you know, the well, corner of what? Stabbing people. <laughs> <laughs> where does he hide? Central <laughs> City. No, he, he, he hides <laughs> at the corner of the Shield helicarrier. That's <laughs> what he does. Stands in a bush. He's green <laughs> for God's sake. <laughs> it's camouflage. That's a camouflage. But. Uh, other point is, as miniseries go, uh, the X-Men World War Hulk tie-in is, like, the most egregious milking of people for money I've ever seen in my life. Like, God bless Mike Carey for trying, but that is the weakest plot I've ever seen. Like, Crystal's Gage. Uh, is it Gage? I thought yes, Carey had that. My bad. No, I'm Gage. sorry, Mike Carey. God bless you still. God bless you, Crystal's you're, you're Gage. You wrote a good Deadshot mini. Yeah. I, um, that was damn near impossible. Yeah. <laughs> now you have to buy the Regifter. I'll get his Harry's hardback bar. Okay. All right. All right. So you're not finding it boring. Well, 
<laughs> Xavier wasn't part of the decision to send him to space anyway. It's Hulk going like, why me go to space? What would you say? And Xavier's like, oh. And then Hulk's like, I'll break you in half if you say you just sent me to space. And then we have two more issues. You know? like, he wants to have a conversation with Professor Xavier. It's a character who mind-wiped everybody he talked to for 20 years of continuity. Faked his own death twice. He wants to sit him down talk to a guy whose only conversational abilities for like the first 15 years of continuity was like me no like purple guy, me punch purple guy in face. Like they're gonna have a conversation screw that noise. And then the bees throwing students at him because the X-Men love tired child endangerment. That doesn't Devon. sound boring to me. <laughs> you found it boring, Devon? Uh, World War Hulk? No. I like fighting. <laughs> It's it's fighting. It's like it's like basically it's ultimate fighting championship starring the Hulk. I don't I got no problem with that. And adamantium tip missiles. <laughs> well, I mean, like usually, I'm the got one guy out. No, I mean, clearly, Ben, you have to think of it at, at a symbolic level. It's the Hulk <laughs> punching everybody he sees. What is this? Punching like. the no, people you want to see punched. It represents the conflict of ideas. Uh, here comes the monocle. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, e- e- Hulk, Hulk represents the spirit of the individual. We must take care of the individual. You know, Hulk didn't deserve what? this to happen to him. Whereas, you, just you know, said the he did. You know, <laughs> no, I said it. I, I yes, said you it. did. You said if he's in you said he deserved prison. the whole world, you would have sent him to space prison. Made his own prison. Yes, yes. <laughs> And the Swirling the brandy. <laughs> you got no, 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 because the Illuminati, and I would have been one of them. <laughs> no, realize that there's a greater good to be to achieve, you know, for the safety of society. It is a classic conflict between the individual and society. So the physical conflict is a manifestation of the conceptual conflict that's going on between the individual and society. And that's my there is no way I can top that. So now it's time for another dramatic reading. <laughs> Hiroshima, little boy, atomic bomb dropped here, 1945. Atmospheric phenomenon spells codes in the sky. Directions or red herrings? All seems ludicrous. Monsters and myths, shadows and secrets. But can't afford to dap my own senses. Questions chase where answers flee. Watchtower, spend ten hours decrypting the codes. Dr. Fate's library proves invaluable. Security locks easily overcome. Must remember to tell him. Decoded messages contain precise instructions. I'm led inexorably to Dallas. Stand on grassy Nolan to recite Kennedy's astral star chart as directed. Hidden plaque reveals final puzzle piece. All these plots, all these conspiracies, what links them? Where do they lead? Ultima Verum, the final truth. That was the question from Justice League Unlimited number 36 on sale this week. For our third and final topic, let's talk about San Diego Comic Con. Nerd Prom as it's also called. San Diego is the pinnacle of con season, with some of the biggest announcements of the year being made during those four days. So I'm going to ask you guys, uh, those of you who have read up on it, (laughs) of everything that was revealed during the con, what is you most excited about? And we're going to start with Devon. Uh, What am I most excited about? Um, There was a lot not to be excited about. Yeah, (laughs) honestly... I wish I could say I was excited by something that DC was doing, but it just seems like more the same. It's like Final Salvation Crisis, run. Salvation Run. Yeah. Um, really, there just wasn't anything, and you would think that like with this being like, you know, the 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 showcase of the immortals, so to speak, you know, the WrestleMania of comics, um, <laughs> that they would actually have something to tell you. No, no creator exclusives, no nothing. It's just like. Hey, we're doing another crisis, and it's like, oh, wow, isn't this what I heard three years ago? <laughs> Thanks. But yeah, as far as like, actually, I'm more excited about the the Marvel stuff. I hate to say it. Um, I hate. I, I, I hate to say it, but I really am. So yeah, Skip. that's what I'm excited about. Uh, I was really happy about some of the WizKid stuff that yeah. came out. Um, they showed some great new figures. Oh, yeah. uh, that super- Emperor Joker was <clears throat> sweet. At yeah. crazy. Who expected Emperor and he's Joker? A common. And the, yeah, wow. so everybody's gonna have him. And yeah. his dial is well, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, who cannot love an Emperor Joker who has powers like Chinese food, and no more elephants. And and and, and what is it? 
Inbiggin? Inbiggin. Yes. Inbiggin is... Yes, he can use Inbiggin to become a giant character if he wants to. That is awesome. It's insane. Brooks? What are you excited about? Was I done? Oh, sorry, Skip. <laughs> Go back. That's okay. You got moderated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you started the Moderated old um, Skip. What no, I'm particularly excited by the uh, by the uh, Aquaman uh, figure, the marvelous sort of Aquaman figure by my wonderful friend Kirk Busey. Um, this figure has the power, uh, new special power of telepathic communication, which he can use to perpl- to increase the values of all the. Uh, Aquatic figures on his team, mm. and which or is take, very or take uh, down the ones on opposing teams. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. very Aquaman-y. Yeah, <laughs> and that's pretty cool. It is for those of us who think you know Aquaman's cool. Aquaman-y. Shut up, Carrie. <laughs> Aquamanly, I like the word. Aquaman, <laughs> Aquamanly, or Aquaman witch. I thought I don't know why. <laughs> it sounds delicious. <laughs> Brooks, it's like a fish man witch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I want to say I was like excited. Well, I am excited for like the Iron Man trailer, which was pretty damn cool. Yeah. Yeah. But also from DC, when they said that Grant Morrison and JG Jones were going to be doing Final Crisis, I nearly lost my seat. I was like, the Marvel <laughs> Boy team is back together. Hey, you know what's not going to be on time? <laughs> Sweet. I don't care. As long as Grant Morrison writes something oh. and someone I like draws it, I'll buy it. Did you see that they actually announced that they're going to... Uh, they, they, they said why Ultimate Hulk versus Ultimate Wolverine was late. No. I was like, why are you still announcing that, guys? <laughs> like, in what hell is anyone still excited about that one? So wait, Johnny, you're so you, basically you're telling us you were looking forward to this mini. I'm looking forward to <laughs> Final Crisis because Grant Morrison's on it. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And for that reason alone, I will read pretty much anything if Grant Morrison was writing it. Yeah. If he wrote all of Countdown, I'd be writing. I would not complain once. <laughs> Just saying. And you know, I was talking about something I forgot. Well, you go ahead. Carrie, uh, what are you excited about? Oh. Uh, oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just tilted my head like a dog who can't triangulate a sound. Um, <laughs> What did I see that was actually legitimately exciting? Ah, I'll just go. I like Ellis on X Men. I like Warren Ellis is a good choice to follow mm-hmm. up Joss Whedon, I guess, because I like him better than Joss Whedon. I mean, it's a crapshoot which character is going to sound like Spider Jerusalem, <laughs> probably. And Colossus. Colossus will sound like an angry editor. That's the <laughs> other character. And somebody's going to pick up a weird body mod fetish, and there's going to be a lot of talk about Someone's going to get a venereal disease. Someone's going to get like a sentient venereal disease. He'll bring back John Sublime, who is basically a living bacteria. Yeah, yeah. And then wow. it'll, they'll get venereal diseases that talk to them. But uh, Bianchi's on art. No, that's pretty. Yeah. I would have loved to hear them say that Cassidy would be on the book for like one more issue just to get the planetary theme back. But, you know. It's a, it's a decent fit. It'll keep me reading the book, uh, and it might come out slightly more on time, <laughs> possibly. I don't know. Ben, what did they say about girl comics? <laughs> Surprisingly, the three things I was most excited about came from from you know smaller publishers. <laughs> I was super stoked They're that a new maxi pad that they <laughs> oh my god call the burn unit. <laughs> we need a bed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super stoked that uh, Scud, the last issue of Scud's coming out. Holy coming God! In. What? One decade? <laughs> no ten way! Years later, like a, he's like a 71 issue OGN uh, wrapping up the series of Scud. Ha- oh my I'm God! Nearly, How much did you pay him to write it? I was like. If I had been there, I would have given him a hug or, like, a, big old, like a little lower, that's right. I suspect. But, yeah, uh, all sorts of stuff. Kept um, it clean. I was just... <laughs> kind of. I was, like, I was super stoked about that. I was, like, you know. And I didn't there, see that. That's the logo beautiful. on the, like, huge panel on Newsarama was a picture of Scud. And I was, like, this is only going to be good. <laughs> um... You know, I'm a big Buffy fan. I really uh, like the Buffy season. We read and it in the paper. We read it in the Washington Post. Uh, Angel coming out from IDW, the season five, season uh, six. Like season six. Uh, no, Darko's that taking over. Uh, what? Darko's taking over, right? Yeah. I, I thought it was pretty solid. Um, and I liked the uh, information on the uh, End League that uh, Dark Horse is putting out. The what now? The End League. It's uh, by the same people who do Bad Planet. Um, I think it's Bad Planet or uh, Rick Remender or whatever his name. You is lost his coach. 
Draw that play again. <laughs> what? We're not familiar with it. Yeah. Oh, um, the End League is... He, he describes it as, like, superheroes meets Lord of the Rings. Say what? It's the idea that there are these iconic characters from different generations of superheroes. They're the last superheroes on Earth. So you have, like, three characters from Silver that are iconic for Silver Age, three from the Bronze Age, some from, from like, who embody what's going on now... And it's symbolic. A, right. It's myths. It's myths and archetypes. It's like and five versions of Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman. Character, last superheroes <laughs> on Earth, and they have to track down the one artifact that can uh, that can save them. And I thought it sounded really great. The sketches that were online were really cool. It's like Heroescape, the comic. Of sorts, yes. Biz <laughs> teaching us. This is crazy. Well, you know, it is a smaller press. Um, the bizarro world. Um, but actually, Interesting. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it, sound, it just, yeah. you know, it sounded interesting. Hmm. Um, my next question is, aside from a few exclusives from Marvel and almost nothing from DC that uh, Devon already pointed out, yeah, the biggest coups came from smaller presses. Uh, what does it say that, like, all the best deals were coming from places like Boom, mm. which got um, Mark Wade as their uh, editor-in-chief, or, like, IDW or Avatar? Well, now, wait a second. Didn't uh, Wasn't the Heroes... Yeah, but Wasn't it's all, like, reprint it's material reprint. from the website. Oh, so. okay. It's, it's not new, new stories. It's, like, yeah, for Heroes and But, yeah, the, why is it the smaller presses are, like, we've gotten rights for things like Doctor Who, Warren Ellis is coming over here and doing this stuff. What does it say about it? Uh, Ellis has been doing small press stuff his whole for, career. Right. No, that's true. I know, I mean, I'm but, just saying, yeah, like, yeah. all the stuff that's coming out, like, you saw the list of, like, yeah. you know, it was all small press, like, Avatar well, announces this. Well, and if well, you... Oh, go um, ahead. Okay. Bond. Well, it just says to me that it's getting harder and harder to do superhero comics yeah. if you're not DC and Marvel. Um, so if you actually want to be in the game and you don't want to publish like you know uh, the stories of like you know an elf girl sitting on a rock talking about herself, <laughs> um, you, then you that. have to. Um, <laughs> it's in his pull box already. <laughs> I love girl comics. <laughs> <laughs> then you have to. Then you have to like go out into the world and start pulling things like Doctor Who, and you have to pull things like uh, the Man, Man with No Name uh, in order to get some recognition or some sales. Period. Yeah, I mean that's not. I don't really think of that as a new phenomenon yeah. because yeah. Uh, taking a television or a movie property and then turning it into a comic book. This was all the province of publishers like Dell. Mm. Gold key. In gold yeah. key. DC yeah. used to do it with Jerry Lewis. Sure, yeah, down the game, gold Absolutely. key. Yeah, they were there. But then you hear, like, <laughs> Mark Wade basically leaving DC. Oh, my God. Brave and the Bulls going to be over? He only has a couple more issues of it. Ah! He's giving it somewhere else, and he's going to go help another, you know, he's going to go be part of another um, publishing house. Didn't yeah. he used to be the, the cover gag editor for Archie? Was it him or Peter David? I can never remember. Well, either way. Probably uh, is he not Peter David. Flash, he's only slated, what, six issues of Flash? Mm-hmm. Five. That's lame. Five. Yeah. And he's not totally right. No. Bait and switch, uh, baby. Like <laughs> it's WWE booking right there. Well, but again, isn't that also flag. typical? You know, a writer gets to a certain level um, at one of the big two, and then they feel they can strike out on their own, and they feel creatively hampered by having to color between the lines and then they go to another company and then that company folds and then they come back. Yeah, and they drag Astro City back with them or whatever <laughs> else Guerrilla Comics was putting out. And yeah, it happens yeah. every few years. I mean, I feel like the, the, the whole industry just kind of expands and contracts uh, willy-nilly, sort of. It's very cyclical. It's I a think. cycle, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, every now and again, the market thinks it can support, like, another couple CSI comics with photo covers. <laughs> God only knows who buys them, but They're I see like them every 12. month. They're Yeah, and <laughs> then they disappear again for a while, and then a few years later, you get, like, a RoboCop comic or God knows what, and it just keeps oh, happening. I think Marvel and DC are committed to just working their own properties enough that they aren't even on the market for like, a man with no name market. book. Yeah. So it's the only way that a small publisher will even get any sort of notoriety is if they're the company that puts out the Clint Eastwood comic or something. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a good thing for them in the short term, but I mean, I don't know how long it ever really lasts. There's a Zorro comic like once every ten years, and then it <laughs> yeah. disappears, yeah. and then Topps Comics that... goes under, and then yeah. Zorro's coming out again next summer. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, yeah seriously. Isn't that how Marvel and DC built up their fan base in like the 70s and stuff? In the Taking, 80s, like, 70s, 80s. Welcome yeah. back Carter and Star Wars and yeah. G.I. Joe and all that other stuff. Yeah. yeah. Conan. <clears throat> now they know. let the smaller people do it because everybody's going to read the many, many, many series. <laughs> 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 all right. 
Yeah, no, you really shouldn't leave properties, valuable properties like Welcome Back Cotter to a level. <laughs> <laughs> you know, easy to try and snap that one out. You need again. some pro talent. You know, what I really want to see, and you would agree with me this on John, Johnny, that you know Grant Morrison on Joni Loves Chachi would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Chachi would do all kinds of crazy Collected stuff. Collected like, edition. And then robotic great, yeah. fish to like <laughs> take pictures for his rise of photography career. <laughs> scratching that out of his notebook like now I can't do that <laughs> damn it Brooks <laughs> my third question is um, I think it's true for most cons um, as a whole that other mediums are com- other than comics are now coming in and like you know hawking themselves and their wares um, and, and SDCC is a clear example of this. Movies, video games, novels, all are kind of jumping on this bandwagon. Is this a good thing for the industry or bad? No, there are money changers in the temple. They must be cast out. I was wondering why I saw the Reaping preview at last year's San Diego Comic Con. I mean, I went to New York, <laughs> and it's like I had to fight my way through, like, 50 square feet of, like, uh, darkness uh, terminals. So, like, people playing the game. And it... Yeah, way to strike while the iron's hot on that property. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the thing of it is, is that they know, and by they I mean mass media. They know that people who go to comic conventions are the people who see like a free clip from a movie and think, "Holy crap! I'm the only person on earth who's seen this. I better get on the freaking internet." You know, like it's time to write up like Iron Man's gonna be the greatest thing on earth. Hurry up! Or like conversely, if they're on Ain't It Cool News, like Iron Man like rip my face off and poop down the hole that was left behind, and then Harry Knowles laughed at me or whatever. But yeah, they, I think you got, just pissed off the whole internet. I, I called them out last time, didn't I? Wasn't that the deal? No, that was Maybe that's Christians. how I got a cold. Maybe they sent that to me. Uh, it's a sentient virus. Point is that they know that comic book fans are people who, first off, indiscriminately spend Herculean amounts of money on crap they don't need, which is the exact market for movie memorabilia and buying Lord of the Rings swords four years after the movies came out on friggin' DVD. Like, look at previews and tell me that we're not giant sucking money pits to these people. Hold on a second. Devon's making a thing. <laughs> Everyone is. I'm sorry. Devon, what were you thinking? I have a cold. Uh, you I wasn't thinking. <laughs> no, <sorry. laughs> but like they that, know that it's tons of free advertising. No, honestly, you know, it's like... Well, my problem with conventions nowadays is, like, they're not comic book conventions no. anymore. And they have the word comic, but they're not. They're not. Yeah. You know, basically, if I have, in order to get to, say, Jeff Johns, I'm going to have to fight through, like, 50, like, darkness consoles. I'm going to have to fight through a bunch of porn stars. I'm going to have to fight through <laughs> Lou Ferrigno and Virgil from WCW. <laughs> in order Virgil? to get to <laughs> Does he still have the million dollar belt? No, well, no. He couldn't afford it. He's down to like 25 cent belt. Yeah, but if you get through those levels and you get the gold coin, you can then finally go up. But then, that's what you have to like fight through in order to get you know, to the comic books nowadays. You just wrote a Scott Pilgrim comic. Well, really I have. But no, seriously. It's just like, it's just nonsense nowadays. That's why I don't go to a lot of conventions anymore because I can't necessarily get a comic book experience. I can get what Hollywood thinks my Hollywood, you know, my my comic book experience should be. Mm. Um, I just can't get, you know, digging through the long boxes like I used to. So it's just like I don't even bother half the time. So where's the Sundance of comic book conventions? Small Press Expo. Small Press Expo. With Ben. Yeah, Baltimore Comic Con. uh, I'm going to go with Ben this year. And Canada. I've never been. Somebody yeah. take me. Toronto's me apparently out. the John and I can't drive. Dude, it's a block. Small Press Expo, October, block from the Bethesda Metro Station, or White, White Flint Metro Station. We can take uh, the gold rocket ship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the solid gold rocket ship. Very, um, very inefficient. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to say, like, two miles an hour. I think it's, it's not a great thing when other mediums <laughs> jump in, because the more fingers you have in, like, you know, in, in the pie... Like, Hollywood will be like, say, Spider-Man can't be doing this in the comics. Right. Video games will be saying, you can't be doing this in your comics. Because What's the rest ev- of that pie metaphor? What? What's the rest of that pie uh, metaphor? Once everyone's trying to make money off of it, other people try to say things to it. Like, other people try to dictate it. Is that necessarily bad? It it goes back to the, you know, the, I think the, the purity of an artistic vision. Uh 
That—that's why. Fair. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Lee Stanley ever had a pure artistic <laughs> vision in his life, other than like that, a picture of a dollar sign. Uh, right. Need some money. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> no, no. Uh, ben, I challenge you on this because I think it's the intrusion of the other media that helps bring the comic books back more often than not to a classic form. It's like. What do you mean Alfred's dead? No, Alfred can't be dead. We need Alfred to be in the film. Fix that. What do you mean what? Aunt May is dead? Let's, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm Maggie Maggie Smith wants to play her in the British version. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that would rock. All right. <laughs> you know, um, the, the general media stick to the classic versions of the character. And so whenever they, you know, make demands, I think it's, I think it's you know, they don't want the Iron Spider. They're like, get rid of that. Stuff nobody. <laughs> well, I, I am. But nobody was movie Catwoman either. <laughs> I liked that movie. All right, and on that note, <laughs> it's time the for only guy. and a word from our sponsor. <laughs> Hello, readers. Now that you've read all of these new adventures of mine and Robin's, I'd like to talk right at you for a minute or so. I think Robin and I make it pretty clear that we hate crime and criminals. There's nothing we like better than to crack down on the distasteful denizens of the underworld. Why? Because we're proud of being Americans. And we know there's no place in this great country of ours for lawbreakers. Robin and I hope that our adventures may help to put over that fact. We'd like to feel that our efforts may help every youngster to grow up into an honest, useful citizen. It depends on you, and you, and you. You've got to govern your own lives so that they can be worthwhile, fruitful lives. Not lives wasted in prison or even thrown away altogether before the ready guns of the law enforcement agents whose duty it is to guard those of us who are honest from those of you who are not. And not only must you guide your own life in the proper channels, you must also strive to be a good influence on the lives of others. If you do all of this, if you are definitely on the side of law and order, then Robin and I salute you and are glad to number you among our friends. Big Monkey Comics has two fantastic stores. One located in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and the other in Washington, D.C., which is where this podcast is recorded. If you are interested in any of the comics mentioned on today's show, simply swing on by and grab them. Yet, Big Monkey Comics is so much more than a simple store. Stop by on the first and third Wednesdays of every month for the Women's Comics Discussion Group at 7 p.m. Also, on Sundays, August 12th and 19th, Big Monkey Comics will be showing comic-based movies at 1 p.m. Come watch Big Monkey Television for free with other film fans. Finally, on Saturday, August 25th at 1, Big Monkey Comics will be hosting pickup games of Hero Clicks. Come play the tabletop, comic book-inspired miniature games. No tournaments, no judges, just fun. That's 1722B, 14th Street, Washington, D.C., Northwest. And if you can't make it to any of our physical locations, visit us on the web at www.bigmonkeycomics.com for news, reviews, merchandise, and Big Monkey Comics Radio. Big Monkey, where comics are more fun than ever. Now it's time for recommendations, where the panelists give a shout-out to the comics that have come out in the last few weeks that they felt were especially awesome. And we're going to start with uh, John Kerry. Oh, JSA, I guess. I mean, we were railing against miniseries a while ago. JSA has at least given me a done-in-one story for once. With, for two months in a row now. Yeah, with an editorial box <laughs> that told me where Damage learned to jump really far. I mean, <laughs> God I bless him. You know, like, I'm going to flip back there and go, that's how he learned to do it. Damage <laughs> number zero. I got Brooks. damage number zero. <laughs> Brooks. <laughs> Did Morrison write that? No. But uh, I'm recommending uh, Miss Marvel. She got like Ellis's version of Machine Man and Sleepwalker in the series. I love Sleepwalker. I don't know why, but (laughs) he's a funny character. I just it's a good book, and I think people should be reading it. Skip. I recommend Action Comics, uh, if for no other reason than Devon and I are both in it as characters (laughs) on page. It's police officer characters on page four, but you gotta look really close. Um, (laughs) But um. But even without our being in it, I just loved it. Kryptonite monkeys. I mean, really, what more do you need in a comic than kryptonite monkeys? And crypto. It's and Jimmy Olsen. And Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, it's great. Devon? Um, I'm actually going to recommend X Factor. X Factor has been uh, on Yes, X Factor. You're a scrawl. I am. <laughs> uh, no, honestly, I'm reading the book all for Jamie Madrix. It's yeah. just He's like a great if, character. You, if you can't walk away loving Jamie Madrix, 
there's something wrong with you. Um, there probably is too. No, but uh, no, just the one issue where he goes back to reclaim one of his duplicates, the one that he sent out to find religion. And when he finds the dupe, oh my God, it was just one of the best stories I've ever read. And it keeps going like that month in, month out. So yeah, X Factor, and I'm also going to recommend Scout, uh, Indian Country, Volume 1. Trade paperback uh, out now. Nice. Why? Because I said so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to recommend Metal Men, which came out this week. I uh, really like it. The art's a lot of fun. The whole, I'm a big Metal Men fan. Like, I was trying to figure out why it's so great. And it's like it's like a uh, a, um, uh, a Jerry Bruckheimer film. It's like a Michael Bay film. It's guys like quipping with each other and then punching something. <laughs> and it's just it's just pure fun. And then you throw in the ray and like uh, cameos by other characters and it's just it's great fun with pseudoscience no less. <laughs> <laughs> the pseudoist of pseudoscience. I know. Nah. Alchemy. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so Hey, if he can make Transformers, he can make Metal Men. <laughs> hmm. And so stick around for just a minute, and then we'll have our lightning round. Now it's time for our lightning round, where uh, we answer questions sent in by listeners like you. This question was sent in by Dr. Polarius. And he writes, which Justice League member would you vote for if they were running for president? And we're going to start with Skip. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Duh. Vibe. <laughs> Devon? Uh, Jay Garrick. Is he in the job? <laughs> was yeah, it just uh, league, league or society? He was. Ah, yeah, whatever. He was uh, for like a hot second. He was, second. It, it was a fast second. Batman. <laughs> rich as all hell. <laughs> He's the only one who could win. Brooks? Batman. Mm. <laughs> I'd say Zoriel, because we don't have enough religion in this country. Zoom <laughs> 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 the citizen? My God. Zoriel. Well, I guess he was born. <laughs> Black Canary. She's the Hillary Clinton of the Mar- DC Universe. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, more likable. <laughs> Next question. Omar writes, when I'm reading comics, I try to put something on that something on the player that I feel invokes the spirit of that title, or possibly one that suits a particular author's style. For example... I'm reading anything by Warren Ellis, it's always some sort, some form of post-rock, like Godspeed, You Black Emperor, or Explosions in the Sky. Wow. So my guess, my question is, would uh, do you guys do any of that? Or, if you don't, what would you imagine would be a particular artist, song, or album for your favorite t- uh, title? And I'm going to start with uh, Carrie. Oh, yeah, go with the guy who's been slacked you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Just a gape at the question. Uh, that would be all of us, really. Yeah, I, <laughs> that was a good I question. It was a good question. Tough question. Absolutely no. gobsmacked. Uh, artist favorite music? Huh? No, no. What would fit your... Oh, like, what would fit the, the artist? What would be the soundtrack for your favorite title? I don't even think I have a favorite title. This is just the most depressing thing ever. I'm just totally thunderstruck. You can't come. Oh, there we go. I said thunderstruck. ACDC for every comic involving punching things. There you go. World War Hulk. World War Hulk. The Hulk is rocking out to it right now. Brooks? I don't know. I'll read Zemo, listen to Chevelle or something. (laughs) Skip? Uh... Polka, particularly Frankie Yankovic, <laughs> for Blue Beetle. <laughs> Devon? Um, let's see. Favorite title, 100 Bullets. Probably anything by Mark Lanigan. Ooh. Let's see. Scott Pilgrim. Clean your monocle. And it'd have to be like, you know. Uh, Scott it'd be Scott, if it was Scott Pilgrim, he'd be like, like Ted Leo and the Pharmacist or Big Star or something like that. And corduroy is rubbing together. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you can hear. He, <laughs> he listens to this memberment plan. <laughs> all right. Woo. Finally, thank you, Omar. the question is... Yeah, thank you, Omar. First question, who is your first comic book crush? Ooh. Character, writer, or artist? And we're going to start wow. with Brooke. Wow. Wow. crush? Dude, it's... Devon. <laughs> what? Devon is my first comic crush. First comic crush. Officer Sanders. Man is crush. sexy enough to uh, transcend. I don't know. I, mean, <laughs> I have a man crush on Morrison. Fair <laughs> man, that's true. Skip. Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, is vibe right there? On the well, yeah. Tongue. Vibe is certainly the character. 
Um, and Bob Kaniger was a babe. <laughs> he was such a babe. Oh, wow, you have no idea what a babe you are. <laughs> With a machine gun, too. You I'm know? taking the mic from him. <laughs> anyway, uh, Linda Carter's Wonder Woman was my very first crush. Um, that's why I'm still alone. Carrie? <laughs> uh, actually, Yvonne Craig. In, oh, yeah. In repeats. Because yeah. I'm not that old. Yeah, but shorty head back, for real. Damn right. Yeah. <laughs> and a motorcycle. And the <laughs> uh, then I guess, so you know. then I guess I have to change mine to... to uh, Reward, but not in repeats. Reward now? He did that tiny little pen. Holy <laughs> ew! <laughs> Holy jumping, Batman. Hey, man, I just went to my high school reunion. You should have seen that. Ooh. Was Burt Ward there? <laughs> Basically. Did he and they the all look like Burt Ward. <laughs> yeah. They're all horribly bitter. <laughs> all right. <laughs> And when I was young, I wanted to marry Lady J. So Aww. holy crap! Yes, and Scarlet. I thought Scarlet was way hotter. I like Baron. Me and Snake Eyes, we had Scarlet Fever. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say Death. Oh, oh yeah, Death. Wait, the Baroness. Yes, the Baroness was definitely yes. my first crush. Yeah. She introduced you to Sadomasochism. No, just the glasses. I think oh, she yeah. looked like a librarian. <laughs> Sadomasochistic librarian. She, yeah, wow. she looked like a librarian that was gonna kick the crap out of somebody. <laughs> there are websites for that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline earmuffs on. Yeah, like, is, is that why you don't have time to update your blog? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My keyboard doesn't work anymore. <laughs> and on that note, that's, that's all we have for this week's show. If you have any questions, comments, or topics that you would like us to discuss on the show, please email them to Ban at Big Monkey Comics. Uh, thanks and have a good evening. <laughs>